Amen. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Because Jesus has come, we can have peace. Amen. Amen. Great day to be in the house of the Lord. Would you take a moment and welcome those around you? All right, you may return to your seats to be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside. We're so glad that you are here. If this is your first time, we're thrilled that you are our guest. We want to honor you, and we don't want to recognize you in any embarrassing way, but just want you to know that we're thankful that you're here. And one way that you can let us know that this is your first time is to fill out either a connection card, which is out there in the, the foyer, or there's a QR code that you can scan um, inside the bulletin to just fill out just a little bit of information about yourself. We would greatly appreciate that. If there's any way that we can help you, pray for you, encourage you, please don't hesitate um, to let us know. There are several announcements I want to draw your attention to. The youth have a Christmas party tonight. That information is in there. Our senior friends have a Christmas luncheon on December 8th. Please sign up at the Connect Board if you plan um, on going to that. Uh, Bridging the Gap, Christmas in Coweta. If you have taken one of the tags, those gifts must be returned by Wednesday. Don't wrap them, and please bring that tag back and put it with the gift. And they go on the table in there in the fellowship hall. Um, a couple other announcements we will make at the end of uh, the service. You notice in the bulletin there's an announcement about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I love this time of the year. This is something that Southern Baptists, we emphasize uh, during the month of December. So a couple things. One, this is the week of the week of prayer. 
And so inside your bulletin should have been an insert that will guide you this week on how you can be praying specifically for some missionaries and ways in which missionaries are serving um, around the world. But not only do we want you to pray, right, we want you to give. And there are several ways that you can give. You'll notice in the bulletin our goal is $8,000. And so we want you to give over the month of December. We have four Sundays in December that you can give. There's several different ways that you can give towards the Lottie Moon um, offering. One way is for our kids. We have a manger up here uh, right in front of our communion table. You may not be able to see it. Um, at some point during the next several weeks while we're singing either praise songs or the hymns, Right, your kids can bring up some change or some dollars or $20 bill, however, however much you want to give them as a parent, and they could just come and put that cash in the manger. Uh, that's one way that our kids can be involved. Another way is out there, right in front of the Connect board, we have a mailbox and we have some green slots. Rather than you mailing cards, if you want to give out Christmas cards, you can just put those cards in those slots. And if you want to put a couple dollars or $5 or $1,000, however much you want to pay for postage, um, however many cards you're doing, you can put that in the red mailbox. Out there with that is just a simple sort of directory of current members and people who have been attending. Hear me, if your name is inadvertently left off, please show grace and forgiveness. Um, we tried to go over that. Um, but you can pick up one of those if you're like, hey, who do I need to give some cards to? The other way for you to give is through an envelope, which is there in the pew. This is how most of you will give. If you're going to give cash or a check and you're going to put it uh, in the box that's out there, you need to put it in this if you want it to go towards Lottie Moon. Otherwise, it just goes to the general fund. So I want to encourage you to pray and give. I say this every year. Take one of these home with you, put it in front of you this week, and pray about how the Lord can lead you to give. And every Sunday in this month, we're going to have a video that's going to draw our attention to missions. And so we have a video this morning, and then we're going to do the Advent candle after the video. We don't see points on a map. They aren't just places to us. We see stories of lives living without the hope found in Jesus. Today, somewhere between the Great Commission and the Great Multitude, we find ourselves facing the world's greatest problem, lostness. Even in the midst of natural disasters, humanitarian crises, and political instability, Southern Baptists send IMB missionaries to give their lives to the lost, living amongst those who have never heard the gospel. People in hard-to-reach places, people in cities, and those who are dispersed and displaced around the world. At the IMB, we believe that missionary presence cultivates gospel access. Gospel access that knows no geographic or social boundary. We believe that missionary presence fuels gospel belief, and we see the results. We see lives transformed, generations forever changed, and churches planted local expressions of the church that take ownership and thrive. God has made our purpose clear. Together, we seek to take the gospel to every nation, to all tribes, to all peoples, to all languages. 
we don't see places on a map. We see our place in fulfilling the Great Commission. This is our mission. This is your mission. And we are reaching the nations together. On the second Sunday of Advent, as we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, I didn't grow up with, with this, and I find it helpful for us to think about this. So I've asked um, Lynn Woodard to come and help us on, on the second Sunday of Advent as we think about the coming of Jesus Christ. We light the candle. Um, this is Lynn Woodard. Um, and we light this candle, which is, the theme is peace. Appreciate that. When Christ comes into our lives, he brings a peace that passes all understanding. Amen, indeed. The angel declared glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Jesus declared, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And the Apostle Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We know that Jesus Christ has come, and because of that, Christian, you have peace. We know that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, and because of that, we have peace during the most troubling of times. We know that Jesus Christ is coming again, amen? And because of that, we have peace. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, when I am afraid of all evils to come, comfort me by showing me that in myself I am a dying, condemned wretch, but in Christ I am reconciled and live. That in myself I find insufficiency and no rest, but in Christ there is satisfaction and peace. That in myself I am feeble and unable to do good, but in Christ I have ability to do all things. Though now I have his graces in part, I shall shortly have them perfectly in that state where you will show yourself fully reconciled and alone, sufficient, efficient, loving me completely with sin undone. So we thank you for this in Jesus' name.
All right, at this time, our children are going to make their way out to Children's Church. So we have our three and fours, and then our K through second grade. Everyone else will take their Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to continue to look at the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. We looked at two pieces of the armor last week, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We will look at verse 15 this morning. But I want us to read verses 14 through 19. So Ephesians chapter 6, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's inspired, inerrant, sufficient, authoritative word. This is the word of the Lord. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You may be seated. It was November 27th, 1950. Close to 120,000 Chinese troops encircled and attacked U.S. Marine Corps and Army units near the Chosen Reservoir in North Korea. This was the start of a 17-day battle fought in some of the coldest conditions of the war, resulting in nearly 2,500 U.S. troops killed in action, 5,000 wounded, and another 8,000 who suffered from frostbite. One of those men wrote about the unrelenting cold. He said, I had a good winter jacket, and I was told to always have a pair of socks under your armpits. That really helped. I had a sweater and heavy socks, but we just had combat jeans or pants, he said, and regular combat boots instead of winter boots. It was just cold, very cold. It was never warm enough. Those soldiers were not prepared for the freezing or below freezing temps, anywhere from 30 to 50 degrees below zero. And really, how could they be prepared? I mean, how can you really prepare for that in the United States of America? I mean, especially if you're in Georgia or Florida where we live for nine years, I mean, you just, if it gets to below below freezing in Florida, it's people panic, right? And so that's not something you can train for. And so this own guy's admission Right, They didn't have the proper gear. They didn't have warm enough clothes or even the proper boots. As we return to Ephesians 6 this morning, as we continue to look at the armor of God, we're going to see the need for us to be prepared. We're going to see that we need to make sure we're wearing proper shoes, and we need to see that we are to be standing firm in the right place. And so I want to break down verse 15 in three parts. So beginning of verse 15, this is how the ESV translates the Greek. And as shoes for your feet. So he's already talked about two pieces of the armor, right? The belt and the breastplate. And now he talks about, right, shoes. 
So as shoes, you and I understand the need for proper footwear, right? We need proper footwear. Now, there are many types of shoes, Crocs, sandals, flip-flops, you have boots, you have running shoes, you have dress shoes, you have hiking boots, you have different types of cleats for different types of athletic sports, baseball cleats, football cleats, soccer cleats, you have basketball shoes, high tops, low tops, there's all sorts of shoes. And women, you seem to have a plethora of more options than us as men. There are a lot of options when it comes to footwear. And many of you know the proper footwear matters. Whether you are hiking, playing a sport, or even fighting in a war. And so as Paul is thinking about the Roman armor, he now begins to speak to the type of footwear. Now the Romans, the soldiers, had a particular type of footwear. Um, It was a half boot made of leather. It left their toes free. These shoes aided them in my studies in two main things. It aided them, one, in long marching. Right Back in these days, you didn't have the means of transportation that we now have, and so there was a lot of marching. And so they needed shoes that would enable them to march these long distances. But then they also needed shoes that would enable them in a defensive posture to have a a firm stance. And so the Roman historian Josephus, talking about these Roman shoes, said that they were thickly studded with sharp nails. I guess these were cleats before cleats were invented, right? I mean, you could get a firm grip in in the ground. And so they had these, these particular types of shoes that helped them in their battle. So that's the first part. And as shoes for your feet... Having put on, here's the second part, having put on the readiness given by. The readiness given by. Now that Greek word that the ESV translates readiness, I'm just giving you some some stuff here. Some of you may find this interesting, some of you may not. Can be understood in one of two ways. The first way that you could understand it would be more of a defensive posture and that would be a firmness of foundation so you need to be prepared to have a solid foundation and so that's why they had these shoes to give them a firm foundation the other way to understand this greek word is the way the esv interprets it and that is of preparedness of readiness in the sense of you are prepared this would be more of the offensive like these soldiers had to be ready to start marching so they had to have the proper footwear And so, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So Paul has talked about truth, he's talked about righteousness, now he speaks to the gospel of peace. This is not the first time that this word gospel, euangelion, has appeared in Ephesus, or in Ephesians. We find it in chapter 1, verse 13, in his letter to uh, Ephesus, it says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. That word gospel means good news. You've heard the good news of your salvation, that there is a Savior. You've heard the good news of God rescuing 
us. And then in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so it's this good news. Jesus says we are to repent and believe in the gospel. It's this good news of salvation. But in Ephesians 6, he says it is a gospel of what? Peace. That Greek word for peace is arene. It means rest, inner rest, harmony. This was a, an important word in the Old Testament in Hebrew life, right? Shalom, peace. In Greek, it's arene, inner harmony, inner rest. But the Greek word arene actually comes from the verb ero, which means, follow along, it means to join or bind together that which has been separated. To bind together that which has been separated. And when you bind together that which has been separated, you have this inner harmony, this inner rest. And so when Paul talks about the gospel of peace, hear me, first of all what he is saying is through Jesus, you can have peace with God. And you need to know this. You need to believe in this. You need to trust this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, if you want to turn there, it speaks to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, made right with God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled to God the Father by the work of Jesus Christ. Paul speaks of this in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Verse 16, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You were once alienated. You were separated. You were cut off from God, under wrath, guilty, right, ashamed and condemned. But God has brought you to himself through his son Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of peace. That you this morning, no matter where you are, where you've been, you can be made right with God. So we have peace with God. That's the gospel. But we also have peace with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. says, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. That he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We have talked about this. It's been months ago, but how Jesus tears down this dividing wall of hostility. Jew and Gentile, hostile, Christ comes. And in Christ, we're reconciled to the Father, and we can be reconciled to one another so that we are one. What Jesus Christ is doing... Satan seeks to undo through the culture. What Jesus has done is he has broken down every racial, every economic, and every social barrier that once divided us outside of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has torn it down. And the world and their systems seek to build it back up. They seek to make racial hostility 
and social hostility and economic hostility. But in Christ, all, have the, all of that has been destroyed. So that my son Malachi and I, though we look nothing alike, in Christ we're one. Right? That though we may not make the same amount of money, and you may still have rich and poor, in Christ we're one. Though there may be people from other parts of the world, and I love these videos, as you get to see faces of people who live in other parts of the world, remote parts of the world, but the Bible tells us in heaven, in glory, there will be people from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people. Why? Because Christ has torn down that dividing wall of hostility. Let me ask you a question. What is the opposite of peace? What's the opposite of peace? Just some words that I wrote down. Discord, disharmony, fighting, war, hatred. You guys need to realize, and it's both, media wants us to be divided. It makes them money. It sells. They want us to be at each other's throats. That's exactly what Satan wants. He wants to sow discord and disharmony and fighting and war and hatred and all of these things. But inwardly, there can be frustration and there can be worry. There can be condemnation and there can be guilt. But listen, the gospel tells us that to have peace with God means there is nothing that can separate you from him. That's what Paul asks, what can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing can separate you, not sin. Sin once separated you, but now you're in Christ. Guilt cannot separate you any longer. Condemnation no longer separates you because the gospel says you've been made right with God and your sins have been forgiven through Jesus Christ. Therefore, you can be one with another. So when Christ comes, he brings peace. It's the gospel of peace. Now, some of you will find this interesting. Some of you will not. Some of you maybe will do a little bit more study. So when we're reading and studying the scriptures, our intent is always to go back and say, okay, the Spirit of God is writing through the Apostle Paul. So when he pins verse 15, what is his point? What is he saying? So I've broken down the three parts. But when you put it all together commentaries disagree on what his main emphasis is. Now, you may hear that and you may say, well, wait a minute. That, does that mean there's a contradiction? No. Both positions are 100% biblical. And in a minute, I'm going to apply them and say we need both of them. But we're trying to understand what is Paul's intent? What is the meaning when he talks about putting on these shoes, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace? And it all has to deal with, and some of you are way smarter than I am, and I've been sick this week, so my mind hasn't even been working as well. But it's all this phrase, by the gospel or of the gospel. It's in the genitive and how do we interpret the genitive? Is it subjective or objective? And some of you are like, Pastor, move on already, right? But, but here's the point. If we are to interpret this in the subjective, if that's Paul's emphasis, then here's what Paul is saying. What he's saying is the gospel of peace is the firm foundation on which you stand. The gospel of peace is the firm foundation on which we stand. This would be more of a defensive posture. If we interpret it this way, then the boots 
right? The gospel gives us the firmness to stand as the Roman soldiers' boots gave them the firmness to stand. So it's a defensive posture. And many interpret it this way, and they say, well, when you think about what Paul's saying, most of this is a defensive weapon. And so let me say this. 100% your hope and what you stand in must be the gospel of peace. You can stand in nothing else. If your hope is in anything else, you are in sinking sand. It is shifting a foundation. You have no chance against Satan. So what you stand in must be the gospel of peace. But other commentaries take it in the objective genitive, which means the boots are not a firm foundation that we're standing in in peace, but rather they see it in the other way that you would see the Roman soldiers' boots, in that they were used to march long distances. And so when it is in the objective, the way you would interpret it is this. You and I are to be ready to go out and defend and spread the gospel. It's not so much that you're standing in the gospel, yes and amen, but Paul's emphasis here is you're in the gospel, now go out and tell the gospel. Be prepared always to share the gospel. So in this interpretation, the boots are our readiness to announce the gospel of peace. So if this is the interpretation he had in mind, then Paul is saying, be ready to herald the good news of Christ. And what do you announce? You announce the gospel of peace. So pastor, which one is it? Yes and amen. They're both true. I lean towards the second one. That what Paul's saying here, though we are to stand in the gospel of truth, and it's a convincing argument, that what, what he's saying here is, you and I have the gospel now we, we need to be prepared, having put on the gospel shoes of peace, to go announce the gospel. Now why do I take that position? Because what Paul's doing here is he's not ultimately grounding the armor in the Roman soldiers. He's grounding the armor in the prophecy of Isaiah. And so if you have your Bibles, Isaiah 52, verse 7, let me make this point and then we'll do a point of application. Isaiah 52, verse 7, he talks here about a royal messenger, a royal messenger who's going to come and deliver a message. And notice the similarity in language. Notice how Paul's picking up on this in Ephesians 6. Isaiah 52, verse 7. We'll start at verse 6. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. Now look at this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring Good news. What is that good news? Who publishes peace? Who brings good news of happiness? Who publishes salvation? Who says to Zion, your God reigns? So Paul, taking us back to Isaiah, says there was a royal messenger who's going to come. Beautiful are his feet. He's bringing good news, and he's bringing good news of peace. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, we read these words. And he... That's Jesus, came, and what did he preach? Peace. He preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. So Paul says there is a royal messenger who's going to come. And then he says in Ephesians 2, the Messiah, the messenger, Jesus has come. And what was his message? It is one of peace, Jesus, right? He wore coming, wearing his gospel shoes, 
preaching a gospel, a message of peace, announcing peace to Jews and Gentiles. And then he comes to the armor of God and he's saying, stand in the truth, stand in the peace of the gospel, but then go out announcing the gospel, preaching the gospel. So a point of application. We stand firmly in the gospel of peace. That we have been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. And we stand ready to go out and share this very gospel. Now in this section, Paul is talking about spiritual warfare. He is talking about the schemes of the devil, right? the way the devil works and organizes right? the his, the spiritual beings, those who follow him, and how they attack us, and how we are to stand against it. Satan seeks to distract us as believers, as the church of Jesus Christ. Satan seeks to distract us from the message and the mission. And if he can successfully distract us from the message and the, message, the mission, then you and I become distracted and we become divisive. Satan wants for you and I, and I think it is important to have theological discussions. I think it is important that we know what God's word says. But what Satan wants for us to do is he wants us to get in our little holy huddles and he wants us to begin to argue and attack one another over some theological and doctrinal things. And when we begin to argue and fight over those things, we go away from the main message that we have been given, which is that Jesus came to seek and save lost sinners. Now look, we need to have these conversations. I want us sitting in our Sunday school classes, and I want us thinking about doctrine, and I want us diving into these things, and we're not going to agree on everything. But we must agree on the main thing. We have to identify what are the main things that if you deny these things, you cannot be saved, you cannot be a follower of Christ. He distracts us from the message, and then he distracts us from the mission. What's the mission? Go and make disciples. That's the mission. I heard a pastor say years ago, I wrote it in the front of my Bible, I think I've said it before. He said, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. When you and I are not fishing for men, when we are not externally focused, and we become internally focused, we begin to fight. We begin to pick on one another. We begin to grumble and complain about one another. Because if you look inwardly long enough, well, there's all sorts of problems right here. Chiefly starting with me, right? The chief of sinners. And so Paul wants us to be distracted from the message, the gospel of peace, and the mission, which is to take the gospel to as many lost people as we can, calling them to repentance and belief and faith in Jesus. So brothers and sisters, you and I need to be ready to share with those around us every day the gospel of peace. And we need to be ready to share it with those who have never heard. Every week, as we emphasize Lottie Moon, I'm going to say three things. I'm going to say, number one, you need to pray. 
Every week, you and I need to be praying for lost people. We need to be praying for the unreached people. We need to be praying for people who just don't know Jesus, who have rejected Jesus, who've never heard of Jesus. We need to be praying for them by name. But then I'm going to challenge you to give. I'm going to challenge you, knowing the message and the mission and what's at stake, to center your lives, your finances, your gifts, your talents around the gospel. And be willing to forsake the things of the world so that we can do a better job of sending the gospel to others. But then I'm going to challenge you to do one more thing, and that's to go. To be willing to go to Ecuador if the Lord leads you. And willing to go across the street to your neighbor because they need the gospel of peace as well. A lot of people say, Pastor, why do we spend so much time emphasizing international missions? Like, why do we go overseas? Don't you know people need Jesus here? Yes, they need Jesus here. And I would argue more and more people here don't know Jesus. But do you know what people here in Noonan, in Sharpsburg, in Coweta County, in the surrounding counties have? You know what they have? They have access to the gospel because they have you. They have Northside which is one of 53 church in the Western Baptist Association. 53, what should be healthy, vibrant churches in this area. You go to other parts of the world, there's no church in those villages. There's no gospel presence. There may be one believer. There may be no believers. And they need somebody who's willing to come bring the gospel of peace to them because they don't know peace. And so we have to be willing. This is the message. This is the gospel of peace. And we are willing to go. Romans chapter 10. You're familiar with these verses. Let me read these verses for us. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Church, a messenger with good news to share is a beautiful sight. It's a beautiful sight when you have a messenger who has a message of good news and who is willing to share that message. Uh, This week, for me, was not how I thought the week would go. I felt incredible on Monday. And then Monday evening, I went downhill fast. I went down figuratively and literally. Like 2 a.m., spiking a fever, Tuesday morning, I walked downstairs to get some Advil because I had a killer headache, mistake number one, when you don't feel good, don't go downstairs on your own. I go downstairs, I start feeling worse, I'm in front of the cabinet looking for the Advil, and all I remember is falling and hitting the ground. I got a little battle scar right here on my shoulder to show it. I won. I got up, but it, it hurt, 
right? And so I was in the bed most of the week. Finally, Friday, my strength came back. So when you're in the bed for several days, I didn't feel like reading. I didn't feel like studying. But as my strength regained, I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't really do anything. Um, and so I just began to read and I began to pray. And the Lord in his grace, I think, took me down to just teach me something, to lay something upon my heart. And so as we enter into soon, 2023, having just celebrated three years of, of ministry here on December 1st, praise God, I'm so thankful for, for you all and for Northside and that God brought my family here. And the Lord just laid something upon my heart. And he just threw his word through reading, and that is this, you and I need a deep, personal understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me, brother and sister, you need not a shallow or every now and then you're thinking about the gospel or the extent of your gospel is what you get on a Sunday morning. You need a deep, personal understanding, knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me, you will never advance beyond the fact that you were lost and needed a savior. You'll never get beyond that. You will just dive deeper into that reality. You'll see just how wretched you are, just how amazing God is that he would save a sinner like you and me. So you need a deep personal understanding of the gospel. But then what you and I need is a deep personal treasuring of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like this matters more than anything else. There's nothing that is more important than the gospel of peace that we find in the gospel, in the word of God. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced the reason we lose track of the message and the reason we aren't living out the mission is because for many of us, there is not a deep personal understanding of the gospel and there is not a deep personal treasuring of the gospel in our hearts. There's a whole slew of things that we treasure more than the fact that we have been reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. And that there is a lost and dying world that's going to hell that could be reconciled with Jesus too. But they need us to treasure the gospel so that we'll then begin to live it out before them They'll see how much we need the gospel and love the gospel and we'll begin to take the gospel to them. So put on the gospel shoes of peace. Stand firm in it and to be ready to declare it and to share it with everyone that comes across your path. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father, we are in desperate need of peace. We look at the world around us and we don't see peace. We see everything but peace. And some of us this morning, if we're honest, we look within our own hearts and we don't really see peace. But Jesus, you give peace. And if we have come to you by faith, and it is all of grace, this is your gift, not our works, it's not our, our doing or our righteousness, it is all because of you, Jesus. You remove that condemnation, you remove that shame, you remove that guilt, you make us right with you. And our lives are forever changed. And Christ, if you 
are in us and we are in Christ, then that peace is there. The reason we don't experience it, the reason we don't walk in it is because we do not deeply enough know the gospel and we are not treasuring the gospel. So Paul calls us to suit up, to put on that armor. So God, this morning, will you help us to strap up those shoes? Those shoes, God, that are firmly planted in the gospel of peace and the shoes that cause us to be ready at a moment's notice to start marching into the darkness as the light of the world is in us, shining bright for the glory of Jesus Christ. So Father, as we sing, Father, may your will be done in us. If we are not standing in the gospel, if we have never given our lives to Christ, having repented of our sins, having confessed our sins, having believed in Jesus, if we are not treasuring and pursuing you, Jesus, above all things, will you please strip away everything else and cause us to be dependent only upon you? Help us to stand against the attacks of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand? We're going to worship to get be over here to the side. If you want somebody to pray for you, you can come pray up front. But you move and you work, you you respond as the Spirit leads you.
just a couple moments. Let me go over a few additional uh, announcements. Just want to make sure everybody is on um, the same page. Uh, Next week, we've got um, our ugly Christmas sweater day. I believe that, yeah, I believe the candle next week is joy, right? And we're filled with joy, and so we can do fun, crazy things sometimes. And so uh, you make sure you wear your ugly Christmas sweater for that. Um, there's a couple other announcements in the bulletin. Uh, I want to just give an update on the Lord's Supper. Uh, originally, we were supposed to do the Lord's Supper this morning. Um, and then Thursday, I still didn't feel great. And I was like, I'll probably be good by Sunday, but that's probably not wise for me to be up here touching and breathing on everything. And so then I was going to, we we're going to do the Lord's Supper next week. And I put that in the newsletter. Um, but we got the ugly Christmas sweater and another, I hope, a surprise that we'll be able to do next week, which will be exciting in the life of our church. So we're actually, and some of our deacons are finding this out right now, we're actually going to do the Lord's Supper on Christmas morning, um, on, on the 25th. Uh, I heard somebody say yesterday, really, man, it really stuck with me as I thought about it, that in the scriptures, we're never called to remember the birth of Christ, but we are called to remember his death. And so I thought, man, what a, what a great reminder that as we celebrate the birth of Christ as a family on Christmas Day, it's also to be mindful that he came to die. And so we're going to do that on Christmas Day and just hoping we have enough deacons here that morning to serve the Lord's Supper, but we'll, we'll make it work. One other thing, just for information purposes, if you come back to church a little early tonight and you're like, what's happening? Uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock... Um, some Trinity folks are doing a piano recital here. They needed a place uh, to do a piano recital, and so their teacher reached out and was like, absolutely, you can use our sanctuary. So that starts at 3, so if you're in the building around that time or a little after, just be mindful that that's going on in here. Um, and so I know Philip reached out to some men. We need some help. So deacons, if you check your Slack, if you can come help uh, after the service with that, we would appreciate it. All right, if you will stand We're going to be dismissed with a word of prayer. Chris is the deacon of the week, so he's going to close us in prayer. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this Advent season as we remember your first coming and look forward to your second coming. I pray we would have uh, peace, Lord, a first peace with you through Christ, but then peace with our fellow men and, uh, and operate in the light of that peace as we go forth. Lord, bring us back safe tonight. And I see things according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen.